Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast as American as a hostess fruit pie containing approximately 7% of an apple. Today, for our 4th of July episode, we're discussing Captain America, created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby in 1941, considering appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe through the recent Disney+, Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show, plus whatever comics we could make time to read, including the 2003 series by Robert Morales, Truth, Red, White, and Black, which gives the backstory of Isaiah Bradley, the first black Captain America. I'm Mark Lintzemeyer, and I will not give back the shield. I'm Erica Spires, wearing my red and blue, but my skin is still pandemic white. I'm Brian Hurt, recently promoted from Second Lieutenant Little America to First Lieutenant Great America. But I'll get to Captain one of these days and our guest. <laughs> I am Anthony Blonde. I'm the first black Captain America. You just didn't know it. I actually was Captain America back whenever Apocalypse was also ruling Egypt. Well, America was just a dream inside of my head. <laughs> when America was just a nightmare for the people who lived there first. The return of Anthony, we talked in very general terms about blurds last time, and you were excited to maybe come back and talk about something specific. And I wanted to make these bozos, my co-hosts, <laughs> read some comics, which I used to do quite a bit, maybe a decade ago. It was like a part of my regular diet, and I kind of got out of it. And wanted to use this opportunity to catch up on, you know, what's been going. What are the things that fed into this Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show? I was already familiar with the kind of general Ed Brubaker run that had fed into the, just the creation of the Winter Soldier character at all. And Civil War that we've already seen reflected in some of the films. But I did not know what had been going on during the Trump era. And so have glutted a foot high of graphic novels in the past month to prep for this. Can you tell us about your relationship to this character? How how much time have you spent? Well, I spent some time off and on. So, you know, I definitely was a Civil War was probably the last time that I was like habitually watch uh, reading comics, you know, like as far as like getting so many of them. After that was really mostly trades or things like, oh, that's a good storyline. And I grabbed them, except for Walking Dead, which I did read in real time. And in the end of Render of Invincible, I read in real time. But I definitely, for me, when it comes to like, Captain America as a character, he was never my favorite. But as far as like, because I just identified more with mutants and with that idea of what it was. And Captain America always kind of was in for me in that same land as like Superman and Batman, where it's like, ah, it's just like, I don't know if that's what we need right now in our lives. When I was, even as a kid, I was like, I don't know. But I, I definitely f- like Superman, except lame, except we accept yeah. lame. Well, powers. no, wait a second. Superman <laughs> is a total outsider, whereas Captain America, he's I mean, I guess he's not really part of the military structure or he is or isn't, depending on how you look at it. But he is very much establishment in a way that Kal-El is fundamentally alien and always is. Yeah, but Superman's still almost the wet dream of the of the immigrant story that you have of like, oh, here's the perfect immigrant coming in that we accept and is oh great for us, right? Versus that that's the thing of like, it's an immigrant story, but like, eh, you know, is it really? And so there's there's some things with that that always were just, even as a younger person, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, where it's very clear when you look like X-Men and things like that, where it's like, this, we're talking about race right now, we're talking about difficult things, and, you know, really gleamed on the Black Panthers as a kid and that kind of stuff. So I think that's what's interesting to me about MCU version of your world of looking at him and, and that. And then I think very reflective in our modern post Secret Wars versions of all of these these characters, which are just definitely a little bit more modern and a little bit more questioning and looking at stuff. So even like the current Captain America run is just dealing with like things, which I think is going to take theory in next month because it got delayed is just really dealing and playing with things that are very reflective of our time. And I think that's why I really do love like this version of Captain America is a very, like it would have been more interesting to have as a child. I think the complexity of like, what is America? Why do we believe in it? What is this place that we are a part of? Which you got next men, right? They're being rounded up. Like, you know, it's like we're citizens, but we're being put into basically you're trying to round us up with sentinels. You know, this is terrible. And that was very reflective of looking at, you know, your 60s, 70s world of how people treated minorities. Mark, 
you gave us a lot of homework to get ready for this. And I've always prided myself on being a pretty good student, but I guess as I've rounded my first half century, I'm not so good at it anymore. Part of the problem is I'm not very good at reading comic books. And I've talked about this before. And Mark, even when you were giving me my assignment, you said, just read it fast, which I appreciate, but I still have trouble reading these things very quickly. I I did read Red, White, and Black, but some of the other ones were available digitally. And I would get through like the first issue and I just, I would have trouble really getting into it. I I find some of them are just, maybe it's because how they're set up or because of the tone or because I feel like I should know more of what's going on than I already do. But I admit that I didn't get more than an issue into some of the other runs that we had in front of us. But I'm really happy to talk about Red, White, and Black, which I thought was so good and also so profoundly troubling, especially, you know, I'm Jewish and some of the themes in that one as well. There, are, there is so much that goes into race and both Black and Jewish identity that is just completely ignored by earlier Captain America, which is just laid bare in that one. I guess maybe someone should set up what that comic is. I won't be the one to do it, but maybe someone who has the Wikipedia page in front of them could do it. Well, Erica, you recommended it to us. You were the one who read this first. Give us sort of your Captain America background and relationship and set this up for us. I think on paper, Captain America doesn't sound like the most interesting of superheroes, but I actually really, really like Cap in all the various forms I've I've seen and read. And I think it's because it does harken back to the kind of patriotism that I can believe in. And there's just a goodness in him that I think we strive for, but I feel like oftentimes patriotism now is just, it makes me feel gross to think about. It's kind of a, become a dirty word and it doesn't really mean the kind of America that I think Captain America was going for. So yeah, I like Cap as a character kind of traditionally, but this was an interesting run that I had heard about, not just because of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I was listening to a Marvel podcast and I heard a review of this and The girls who were reviewing it were so excited about it. They basically let you know, Truth, Red, White, and Black is the story of, I hate saying Black Captain America, but that's kind of how it's it's been referred to as the Captain America who came after Steve Rogers when they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum and making a total mess of it and experimenting on Black soldiers. So this is like the origin story of... Isaiah Bradley, who became Captain America, but nobody really knew that except for a few people. And it's not to say one thing I thought it would be is just this character Isaiah Bradley, but it wasn't. It was really a story about these hundreds of black soldiers who had been recruited into a program they didn't know anything about and were forced to take this experimental super soldier serum and many of them died or came out with terrible deformities. So Isaiah is kind of the one who ends up carrying the torch, so to speak, because he survives. So it's it's a hard in a way. Yes, it is a hard thing to read, but it was actually a super quick read for me. And I'm also, Brian, not great at reading comics. I get really bogged down in like, okay, do I read the top thing first or am am I going left to right or I'm going top to bottom? And what's the most important thing? And then I get really bogged down in the bubbles and like, like wanting to read fast. But In comics, it's not about just reading. It's about looking at the panel. So I have found, and I highly suggest, Marvel Unlimited is a great way to read your comics online. Um, I was reading it on my phone. It automatically zeroes in on what's important for you to see. You can see the entire panel, or you can click on a panel, and it'll show you piece by piece what you're supposed to look at. And if it's a huge panel, it'll actually zero in on the bubble, on the word bubble, and then it'll come back so you can see the whole. So I would recommend that for any future if you have access to Marvel Unlimited. That was a lot. What else do you want to know? (laughs) For those people wringing their hands that reading comics wasn't already a degenerate enough form of literature. (laughs) We're now telling you exactly where to look. Though I I will say, Erica, Hoopla app does the same thing. And I really do like that it kind of takes you along like that. It does make it easier to read for sure. And Comixology does that as well. But it's, I mean, it's definitely a digital comic is pretty great as far as kind of helping that out with folks who have that. Where do I go? Especially if you you switch back and forth between manga and comics. Oh my God, I totally feel like I just have ADD when I look at an actual comic. It just takes me so long to get through it and I enjoy it, but boy, it takes me a while. So I feel like it's a a nice accessible way to get through it if you're like Brian or me and have trouble focusing. (laughs) 
I was having trouble getting used to reading them electronically. And I think it was only with this run that I felt like even if I had the paper lying next to me, if it was sort of next to queued up, like I might as well keep going electronically. Like it didn't bother me. Whereas before it actively, I wouldn't try on my phone. That really surprises me. I was doing on my iPad or my computer so that you could at least see some of the grandeur of the giant page in cases where it's required. I'm going to keep this digression going. Another thing that distracted me was I liked the art so much yes. that I was dwelling on it. I didn't really like the digital shading, and I often don't, but I think the mm-hmm. uh, expressive faces throughout was almost bordering on surreal sometimes was so good. So this is Kyle Baker's Truth, Red, White, and Black art in particular. You That's correct, yeah. And it, But, you know, I, I pushed through, and it was it was a quick read, though... I admit, sometimes I was just a little stunned uh, with some of the imagery and or just some of the shocking moments that you just had to kind of stop and, and take in because while it is fast, there were uh, a number of shocking things happening and also just, or even in the dialogue is, you know, talking about just the, it seems like such a simple long ago time when Captain America, the first Avenger came out. When would that movie have been? Oh, here it is. It was in the year... 2010, 11? 2011, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was looking in the wrong place. It was shortly after Iron Man. It was one of the first, right? It's the third movie in this. In this Iron series. Man was 2005, so okay, it, was yeah. quite, it was quite a bit. So you have Iron Man, then you have Hulk. Hulk, okay. Uh, yeah. So it was still <laughs> early enough, and it still separated from us enough, I think, that it had kind of this earnestness to it where people weren't, like, even the idea of, of eugenics, like, I don't think like that was tied into the super soldier program in that movie, the way that it was so clearly looked at here. And the idea of, you know, would the serum work on the blood of other races? It was like the whole thing was like, I was constantly finding myself, of course, we have a comic book about this, but, you know, why haven't I thought about these truly upsetting things about what's going on sooner than this? I, I think that was really eye opening and really gave me pause as I went through it. And that's where I think it's the good thing about that specific limited run is that it does take a lot of things where you don't need other information to kind of get into what it's about, right? Yeah. And so I'll say, Brian, you know, weirdly enough, even though the movie doesn't really tie it in there, like Marvel has been pretty clear that there's eugenics ties to the super serum, you know, like super solar serum. Because like Mr. Sinister is a person who's part of X-Men where he's like trying to create identify mutants and what they would be before they become mutants and and reveal their powers. And that's a whole thing of he's a very eugenics-based person. And you've learned that his origins is that he is a scientist working in, in Nazi Germany. And that's one of the things that he's doing as part of his eventual becoming Mr. Sinister and then becoming a part of Apocalypse's plan, right? Which there's this whole kind of thing where they've definitely tied it throughout different comics. It's just not something that's ever in the mass media versions, which, cause that's kind of scary for people, right? Like it's easy, like for someone to grab onto that in a comic that's very secluded versus the thing you're putting out is your Disney like franchise. It's a big thing to kind of like pull that out, which I think is why you fast forward to Falcon Winter Soldier. And also, I don't know if we have to be careful of spoilers when we talk on this, on any of this stuff. I think we've <laughs> waited long enough after that show that yeah. if people, you know, if you're really, <laughs> Worried about that? Stop. Watch that show, but probably don't care. <laughs> yeah, but but it, but it leans into that in a way. There's so many things from basically if I go from like Black Panther on, where I've been like, oh, Marvel's doing this. We talked about that last time. Like Marvel, like whoa, Marvel, oh, okay, okay, Disney. All right, cool, all right. And so this is another thing where it was like I didn't expect it to go as hard into the storyline as it did and find its own way to do it in a way that was very much of like, oh, you're taking a position on a stand, you're making a clear commentary, and that is pretty amazing. And I think that Truth kind of already does that, but Truth is from like, I want to talk about three. Yeah, it's like pre-Civil War, you know? And so, because Civil War is like 2007, right? So you just have that kind of world where you're already kind of leaning into that you know, this is like, you know, technically, you know, Bush era that you're kind of leaning into that world of kind of playing with that in a very clear way. Is Captain America always in his own universe, a comic book superhero? Mm. Is that one of the things, in addition to being a superhero, does he appear in comic books as part of the, if you want to call it propaganda or just for selling war bonds or whatever? That's a thing, right? That's not something that that 
established. People know him as a hero and he has comics of himself. Yes. Okay. And that is how they retroactively got rid of some of like the racist and otherwise objectionable, just infantile kind of stuff that they did in the early comics in the 40s in the first run by saying, oh, that's not actually a historical record of what's happened. That is the comics that were put out at the time. So you could have a character named Whitewash with a terrible racial stereotype and like have the character show up in a later thing laughing about how this horrible depiction of the past. Boy, that is some genius retconning. I really like it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was surprised that what happens in the comic book version of this is more depressing than what's actually made it to the TV screen, that this character has been permanently affected by these experiments. So he's not just an angry man who spent time in jail, but he's like permanently mentally incapacitated. And I forget exactly what if he has his short-term memory problems and just basically has to be treated like a child. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of the things that was actually kind of interesting in the way the comic is of like, you're seeing it from two perspectives, right? You're kind of seeing the story break out and being told, but then also Captain America trying to investigate what this is and having to confront pretty much of like where his origins are from. And I think that it's interesting when you look at this story and then you kind of compare it to current Captain America, which is a hundred percent in the same world right now. If like, he is trying to deal and rectify his idea of being a Hydra agent and the, you know, and being the Hydra emperor and like how that has now played out as it's been rectified of like, yeah, I could have been that person. Like there's nothing to say in a different version of America. I could have become that thing. It's a very interesting world of kind of looking like that. My, the flip side of the coin on both sides of his origins are, you know, he's still steeped in the supremacy and the search for supremacy and perfectness, which is kind of interesting, I think. So Mark, for all the extra homework you did, what are your takeaways from some of the, oh my God, this is not a business meeting. What are your takeaways? Could you give me some action items on? Maybe we can circle back on that later. Yeah, let's uh, try to put our arms around that. So would you recommend some of this newer stuff? Living in a post-Trump world, am I going to get any joy out of these newer comics? I really enjoyed the Nick Spencer run, which ended in what Anthony was just referring to, which is this Secret Wars event. And if we did another, if you guys let me put you through another one of these graphic novel ones, maybe dealing with comic book events is a good thing. Like actually having to go back and read like, well, what was the Civil War thing, which 2006, 2007 that then got changed quite a lot before it became the Captain America Civil War movie. It was not over quite the same thing and had a definite more 9-11 twist to it. But then they've just constantly had more and more of these events. And so the Nick Spencer run included, started off with one called Standoff, which is I did not enjoy very much. It's just there's a prison that has been created for these villains in which the Cosmic Cube, which has shown up in many Marvel Universe things, is used to rewrite the personalities and even appearance of the various supervillains so that they're all living in a nice little small town. An idea completely taken for the uh, Scarlet Witch TV series that we just had. So it's picture that, except it's a whole bunch of villains together. And of course, they figure it out. So this event, it is not like a sequence of events. It is literally just like the fight of them trying to get out of this place. And Captain America is there and all the various Avengers groups. And so reading that collection, which is not just one author, and it cues you in of everything that's been going on in the Marvel Universe, that there's three different Avengers titles, and there's just a lot of redundancy. It does fix the Sam Wilson issue, though. Like, it does fix the Snap Wilson stuff in that. Like, that's the one where, like, they do the thing of retconning like, hey, remember we made Sam Wilson technically like this weird racist stereotype a long time ago and like said that Red Skull really changed his mind. He was actually a drug dealer, but then he turned him into this person that was going to be social. That was canon? Yeah. So originally it was a thing that they had done and then that was what was going to be and it never played out. So it just kind of hung out there for like 30 years from like the 70s when they did it. And then I think this is the event that basically, oh, no, no, no. Actually, he was the good guy. Red Skull actually used the cube to make him into Snap Wilson and make everyone think that he was actually originally a bad guy. He really was a good guy all along. Okay, so this cube stuff has been going back for a long time. And then Nick Spencer also wrote the Sam Wilson 
Captain America book at the same time he's writing the Steve Rogers Captain America book. So during the standoff event, because of previous things, because of a previous writer, Steve Rogers has actually become old. And so that is when Sam Wilson steps in as the Captain America. So there's lots of very overt political stuff in terms of he's fighting against people who are coming down on immigrants. He's making political statements in a polarizing way that Steve Rogers never would have done. And so all these people are not my captain, you know, all these white people that can't accept the cat. So this is exactly what we're going to see, I think, in Captain America 4, where Sam Wilson is Captain America with the actual film that will come out next year, whatever it is. Yeah. And it'd be interesting if they also pull in the AmeriCorps, like the police, basically, like there's like a police force that it's like kind of pushed. Are they Robocops or are they guys with... They're basically robocop type people. And it's like definitely harassing... At the time it came out, it was like the same world of like your stop and frisk world. So it's like definitely harassing minorities and things like that. And it's a thing that Sam as Captain America kind of fights against too, where people are like, why are you fighting police? What's the deal? You know, that kind of world. So I enjoyed lots of elements in that. And then it culminates in this secret empire thing, which as Anthony referred to, the same cube is used to fix Steve Rogers, but it fixes him the wrong way because the cube has been turned into a little girl who misunderstands stuff. It's not really worth getting into the details. But it basically retcons Steve so that then this whole run of Steve Rogers colon Captain America is flashbacks to him growing up, but he's actually a Hydra asset. Then he is here as a spy and he does all the things that the Captain America in the comics ever did, but he's been Hydra all along. And now eventually at the end of this run, he will reveal himself and then the secret empire event, which was much more coherent, and Nick Spencer wrote the whole thing that I read anyway, undoes that. We get the old Captain America back at the end. Yay. I'm not going to say I regretted asking this question, but I will say, (laughs) when you haven't followed the story, it's a little bit like hearing what's going on in a soap opera. Like, these incredibly implausible story twists, just because it has to keep going, but it's like the same characters, so... Yeah, they're different, but they're the same. But like one ridiculous thing. And then there's vampires and then there's amnesia. <laughs> but I'm sure it's, you know, like a lot of things. And I know this from writing. Monster with the paw is reaching out into the room and doing things. <laughs> outlines of good stories often read like terrible stories because that's we don't live to read outlines. We live to experience narrative or whatever. So having it described I think I probably should just go ahead and read it, especially if this is going to be something that might become part of the cinematic universe, but Civil War did. So it could, right? Possibly. I mean, and the thing is that what is cool about it with Coates stuff is that his version of now after that happened is he's purposely being like, okay, unlike a complete reboot, but Norm would happen in a, a comic book. It's like, oh yeah, he's back to normal, but everyone remembers what happened and what he did. And so it's this idea of he has to now deal with the fact that it wasn't a complete universe and reality has been rewritten to being perfect. He just, he regains himself and who he is, but everyone's still like, yeah, but you're still that dude that kind of did awful things to us. He has to live through that, through this current run, which is making sense of who he was, what he did, how that didn't play out well. So that is the Tanahishi Coates run, which is the whole reason I was kind of interested in revisiting this anyway, because he is such an influential author in his own right. And, you know, had written Black Panther. And even though now he's not writing the Sam Wilson Captain America, he's writing the Steve Rogers one. But it still leans very heavily. You might have read in the news that he used some of Jordan Peterson's rhetoric as things that the Red Skull as an Internet personality was doing to brainwash the masses. There's a lot of anti-Trump stuff in this run of people trying to be good citizens in the way that Trump would want. But actually, they're being herded up to be eaten by a vampire. (laughs) It's quite on the nose. And I don't know that I actually like the style that much. It leans really heavily into, I guess all Captain America has a lot of narrator stuff. So like a little blue box or a little red box, if it's Sam Wilson, of what they're thinking. But they're kind of like doing high level musings as like they're showing battles on the screen. (laughs) It's like, we're not going to pause and actually do a lot of these scenes. We're going to give his overall reflections on how things are going in general these days, while then you can look at the pictures of the fighting. It feels like Rorschach to me in Watchmen, this temporizing, which when something gets done like that, you're like, boy, it's hard to go back to to take it completely seriously or to, I should say not take it seriously, but like you can't see it without also seeing like, oh, it's a little bit exhausting to have to read 
all that to get the sense of what's going on in this world. I guess that's what comic books are. So at least I'm not being distracted by pretty pictures when I have a giant block of text I have to read. He's actually not that bad. There are some other, sorry, who's the Alan Moore. Alan Moore is the, is the king of that. With some little pictures, but it like takes a long time to, at least this, the boxes are still pretty small. Or you just do like Watchmen and you have an entire actual like essay to read about the qualities of a superhuman. I like Watchmen. I, it's one of the things I give people is like, a, hey, you should check this out if you don't think comics are important. As I was getting ready for this, I'm wondering how much the MCU movies in particular, but I guess also now with this TV series, how much is that keeping interest in Captain America going? I feel like different superheroes gain interest or, you know, there's interest lost in them over time as they become relevant or they get replaced. But I feel like the big stars of the Marvel tentpole movies, they just keep these things going possibly after maybe they shouldn't be. And I don't want to say that it's time for Captain America to be done, but I do wonder whether there is some kind of marketing tie that's keeping it going in a less than organic way. I don't know if that, and you look at the MCU, there's only three characters in the main MCU or Avengers world. that are like a list characters and that's Captain America, Spider-Man and the Hulk. Like those are the th- only three that are, that are technically you would consider to be like a comic book when you're looking at Marvel, like the rest are going to be like Wolverine, you know, just they exist in other places that they don't have right now or own. Captain America is in that place just like Spider-Man, like even if you reboot it a bunch of times, it's, it's just Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman world where like people are going to come to it. You don't have to manufacture things around that, if that makes sense. Where like Hawkeye is not somebody people are going to be like, yeah, I got to watch that Hawkeye. But they do a good job of making it work. But it's not something people are just going to clamor to come hang out. I mean, Iron Man kind of is not technically like A5. You know, it's more like he's kind of like really good American Wagyu. You know, he's he's hanging out in that tier. Maybe Iron Man's the better example of he was so elevated through the launch of the MCU, which wasn't even the MCU till it got going. But between the great success of Iron Man and the ascension of Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau, it is a, a central part of the MCU, at least so far. Now, I guess I don't really know what comes next. Now that wait, am I allowed to spoil <laughs> Endgame? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, Endgame. <laughs> my mother was so sad because she just finally watched Endgame with the nephews or with her grandchildren. And she's like, but he's not really dead, right? And my husband said, yes, yes, he's, but no, but they're going to bring him back, right? And he said, well, there are other Iron Mans, but it's not the same. It's not Tony Stark. And she was okay with that. So I think I'm glad Tony ended where he did. It, it was sad, but it was a good ending. I think with Captain America, there's so much more to do. What we saw with Steve Rogers was such a traditional idea of what Captain America is. And that's the world's not the same anymore. And I, for one, was extremely relieved to see how I had issues with Falcon and Winter Soldier. But Sam Wilson can be a Captain America in a way that a white man couldn't be a Captain America, especially today. And I think it's far more interesting, the kind of stories we're going to get there and the nuance of why he loves America and why he wants to protect it when he has been so oppressed in so many other ways. I don't mean to throw my linguistic chops at you, Erica, but you said Iron Man's. I believe the plural is Iron's Man. Iron's Man. (laughs) (laughs) It's really too bad that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was so lousy because I don't think, well, maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. I thought it was almost unwatchable. I loved it. I thought it was great. (laughs) And it wasn't the characters like that was I, I think that they were the super well, specifically the new Captain America. I thought it was such a throwback approach to storytelling. I think I've just gotten trained to expect something really different from these Disney plus series. And I'm not expecting kind of a very elongated Marvel movie. And that was the problem is that it was just seemed like this was a two hour movie that they somehow were making into a six hour TV show. And I found it this insufferable long patches of cat and mouse with villains and frenemy good guys 
wisecracking with each other. That part was kind of ridiculous, I thought. But don't you think a lot of it would have been fixed by calling it the Falcon or Captain America something? Because Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was just to me, I was like, not that it needs to be like a buddy comedy, but it almost makes you want to think that when you see that title. And then you're like, well, Bucky needs to be the sidekick. Like, we don't need a full on Bucky story along with Sam Wilson. Just give us the Sam Wilson story. We needed 80-20, I think. That's the part that I actually like. Because as I said, do you like Lethal Weapon so as, a, as a general thing? So that's for me, it was like, it was Lethal Weapon, but instead of like, you know, somewhat still when you go back and watch that, like, some of the stuff Rick says is weird. You know, you're like, what? Is it? What? You said what? It's trapped in that little bit of that 80s world. But I liked Bucky's trajectory because of the idea that it is that place of where he stands in for where you couldn't have Steve Rogers there to grapple with the idea of what they had done. And like they talked like him and Steve talked to give him the shield, his general disdain for like, how dare you throw this thing away and not being able to understand that. And especially then being the symbol of you are not only the embodiment of two different versions of the super serum being used of like the Nazi version and the Soviet version you kind of become this place where like this hydro wet dream that you were, it was also stood in in that certain way where like he couldn't understand why Sam would not want to be Captain America. And so there's a certain part of that as he also grapples a little bit with the idea of being a weapon and being used as a weapon as well. The idea of that place too, I think was pretty interesting. I thought, and kind of going through that journey of what does atonement mean? What is that thing? The whole thing might be looking too deep in it, but I don't think this is untrue because I just feel the way that the ended is what he's also going for, too, is it's a weird like if you take like a Star Trek approach of we can't exactly put into this thing until we get to the end to really talk about white guilt. But we're going to put it into this other thing where it's a white man trying to work through the things that he did and working through all the stuff he's done to other people and trying to rectify that. And like, what does that mean now that you're trying to be different? Like for me, that seemed like that was also a weird way of approaching that that didn't make it so heavy handed. But it's very clear. Yeah, white people, you're going to be a little bit like Bucky as you go through this world, as you start to deal with the fact of things you've done right now, you know, that, yeah, it's not your fault. You didn't do it, but it's part of the system and the heritage that has given you the privilege as you now try and make sense of it. How are you fixing it? Is it just doing the things? Is it apologizing to random black people? I didn't see it then, but now I see it and I feel like you're right. And that's what that speech that he, they had right before he kind of goes in where he's like, yeah, the two things, right? He admits why he was so mad about the shields, the thing that justified his goodness and him rejecting it. How dare you reject? I'm not like Steve didn't believe in me. Then he comes around at that thing of like, we had no idea when we gave you this of what this really meant. And, you know, it kind of passed by a little bit. You have your buddy cop world. Like, we're working on the boat around all the black people. I'm seeing it. Yay. You know, um, you know <laughs> but in the end of that, that's why I do think we'll see when you get around to Captain America 4 and whatever happens in our versions of Secret Wars or whatever that when it eventually happens. I think that that's where they're going. I remember it being a thing last summer. When we knew that this was going to happen, they were very clear that this show, it was being intended to move towards a response to last summer. Like it was definitely clearly stated by the creator. Of, this is the thing I'm, we're doing. And this is part of this world. And this is part of what's happening here. And I think that also makes it why I think that that's the case, too. It definitely from start to finish was meant to be a thing of like, we're going to talk about race. We're going to challenge race and what it means to be an American. And part of that is going to be that Bucky side who stands in for Captain America because he can't be in it. Now, if there was a version where you could have had old man Chris Evans doing this, that would have been better and more interesting version of that as you know, of that struggle. But I think you also couldn't have that because then all it is is still Chris Evans in the TV show dominates everything. I like the idea of the universe moving forward and not that we're just going to get younger actors playing new versions of these characters. We will eventually in 20 years or something, but let it move on to junior Avengers and let Sam Wilson have a whole movie or as many movies as Captain America as the leader of the Avengers, blah, blah, blah. I don't mind these replacements. I mean, it's a little goofy how the comics, this like all new, all different Avengers where you have 
characters, some of them are supposed to be titles. Like, so Captain America is a title, but why should there be like Hulk Jr. and Viv Vision and Lady Thor and Ms. Marvel Jr.? It's just. Lady Thor is a little different though. <laughs> yes, but it is something that came out of this older comic tradition of let's have everybody have sidekicks and then they become Kid Superman and Batman Jr. and <laughs> whatever. Because Lady Thor is exactly what you're talking about, though. It is the idea that it's a mantle. Like, whoever is worthy of the hammer has the power of Thor. And we've seen that with other comic book heroes as well, in a way that almost doesn't make total sense except for variety, because these people don't get any older or they don't have to. And yet there was Jay Garrick and then there was Barry Allen and other Flashes. And there have been different Green Lanterns. Okay, I know those were both the wrong universe. Don't you mean Green's Lantern? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, green's already a plural. Multiple Green Lantern. It's, I think, totally fitting with other than people who don't age. And I don't know where we left off with Wolverine, if we're going to have to clone Hugh Jackman or de-age him or deep fake him or do something in order to keep him going. Or maybe he's dead. I haven't watched the latest movie. So <laughs> spoiler for me, I guess, if anyone wants to inform me. But you're right, Mark, in the idea of, yeah, let's keep things moving forward and let's have new people with new experiences come in and maybe interrogate some of our older ideas a little bit and see what happens. And to your point, Anthony, having like old man Chris Evans come in, the halo on this guy, you can't see past it, especially with the departure he got at the end of the Infinity Wars, it's like, we can't start shitting on this guy after that kind of send-off. So, yeah, let's go with someone intensely, if not dislikable, though I, I don't like the character, but very complicated, like Bucky, at least that's fertile ground for having some uncomfortable discussions. And I'll say the one thing that is also, it is the cheap misdirect, right? Because for people in the know, like Bucky has been a Captain America, so also putting him in there makes it where, like, you don't know who's going to be it at the end. You know, it could be either. There's a little bit of that, too. For that people who don't into. have access to the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who knows who will end up being? Because <laughs> in the comics that they both were at various yes. times, yes. that there's a period of Captain America is actually dead for a while and Bucky becomes Captain America. And even earlier, like this U.S. agent character, Captain America had voluntarily stepped down at least once or twice because he didn't like what the government was doing. Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son, he was getting death threats about his role there. I was just like, why would you ever sign yourself up to play that unless you really needed that role? Because you know that's all people are going to see you as. They're going to hate you and everything you're in after it. I felt kind of bad for him. In theory, he's probably signing up for like, in theory, if it worked well, it's a character that has a lot of stuff behind it. So he's like, ah, I'm signing up for a... I'm going to be in the MCU for a Yay. while. <laughs> and maybe he will. I don't know. Like we got, we got all that stuff with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And so we'll see. Maybe he will have a redemption at some point. But they really, boy, they were really trying to give him more of an arc than we necessarily needed in this series, I think. And the actual story of that thing is pretty intense. His psychotic break comes from like his parents get killed or something like that or something like some of that nature. And he loses his mind and starts going nuts, starts killing people. If I remember like the U.S. Patriot thing, like how that plays out. Because the serum does make him a little, it heightens everything. So that was in the 70s or 80s, that storyline? Maybe 90s. I'm just trying to think through that world. Because I wasn't really a big Captain America person. And I did a lot of like cramming for the exam when Civil War came out. I guess I really got to go back and like read a bunch of this Captain America stuff to like get why this is going to be a big event. Because it was just propped up as like, this is the biggest thing since... We've had the Infinity stuff, which was pre-my time that ended before I was really reading comics. Like the, I didn't start reading comics so I was like in the early 90s. I guess what is maybe not entirely clear to folks who just come through this through the movies is that like Spider-Man has his own villains. Captain America has his own villains. And that having a title, it's now 730 issues of Captain America coming up on 750 of the Avengers been going a, a damn long time and each create their own little ecosystem. So I was very surprised to read the early Captain America com comics that they actually do take place during World War II. And that then when he's been paired up with the Falcon and stuff later, they're very just things happening in a city or on the road. You know, it's a much smaller scale than that sort of cosmic Avenger stuff. And that he's got his 
group of sidekicks. And I think even Natasha was a Captain America sidekick. Sort of, kind of, because anything S.H.I.E.L.D. related, they kind of weirdly can become Captain America sidekicks because Captain America is always tied into S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Yeah, and just how these little ecosystems react with the bigger MCU, that there's something that's very good about the MCU having to put so much money into any given thing that they put out that they can't be... On the one hand, it's great that you can be so whimsical in comic books and create what-if stories and just have bananas things happen in these little corners of the universe. But then when you feel like you have to keep track of those, that's what makes it so hard coming into one of these events. And there are, again, three or four sets of Avengers at the same time and keeping track of just hundreds of characters. is ridiculous. So having it be more integrated is a nice thing. Like we only see now that there's Spider-Man has his own world because Sony owned that. <laughs> and so you still have like a Venom movie that's not going to be integrated with the thing, you know. So I don't know what to say about that other than we've been lucky that MCU at least gives people a way to get into it. Maybe now it's been around long enough that new people are feeling the same way comic book readers, you know, that Brian was describing that you start watching one thing and I don't know who, you know, these other 12 threads <laughs> to pull at, but I think that's kind of the nature of comic books is that you always walk in in the middle of the story. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to go back to the 750 issues ago. That's the place where I think there is that slight difference. And this is so, it's going to be real bougie when I say this. But like, I think it's a real difference between like anime folk and manga folk versus like comic book folk. Because there is a thing where like, there's not the crossover, but the history. There's a certain thing where with comic books, it's generated or has survived, I think, especially from the 90s on. In this world of like, we can redo things and get people and capture people. And, you know, you can come in wherever you want and drop in like a sitcom from the 50s, right? Everything's a bottle and it's great. I did it. I went back and I started off with Naruto World and like caught up eventually to finishing it right before Shadupin ended, which is, you know, in the end, there's like 800 episodes in the, or 600 and something episodes in the end of that. But like, I look at One Piece and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not about to start that. That's 800, that's 800 episodes. I ain't got time for that anymore. But there's a certain amount with the folks who are those fans are like, yes, like it's still going on and I read it every week and it's a thing and you can't just come into it. You got to like, it's a history, it's a legacy. It's, you've grown up with these characters, right? There's something in that where I do think that the MCU is doing a pretty good job of balancing, which is, once again, 10 years from now, will it be different? It will still exist. But it's like, yeah, you can drop in and watch WandaVision if you've never watched anything else. But... You're probably going to go back because it's on Disney Plus and now watch all this other stuff to get what the rest of that is because it is tied together. Also, it seems purposeful. And I think that's the thing that is pretty great about it. Even you look at some other properties like the Dave Filoni version of your, you know, Mandalorian world where he's pulling his things from his animated stuff now into this real world and you're now getting a more cohesive but not cohesive to the point where it's destructive kind of universe where you have, you know, Ahsoka stuff and you're going to see like the book of Boba Fett and all these things are going to now be these fun stuff where the Lucas prequels, you know, kind of did the other direction of like trying to justify and retcon and do all kinds of crazy stuff. There's something interesting. I think when you do at least really, truly respect the idea that this is a a cohesive world that I think that's why comics as a whole do turn some people off what do I need to understand this? You know, like that's what you look at something like truth. It works. Even if you have a cursory idea of who Captain America is, you can still read that thing and get the weight of it and understand the story and what it is. It's the same reason why love him or hate him. Alan Moore, he does his own thing. It's his own world. We kind of mix his own little small little universe inside of his things he puts out, but because they're self-contained, they work in a certain way that allows you to get into the thing. And I think like nowadays, if you're going to drop in on a Batman, it's like, good luck. You know, <laughs> like there's so many things happening and you have to really like it or really be coming to it for a reason. Or someone has curated for you, read this very self-contained run that will give you some cool things to it. But that is a little bit of that being a person who's a Star Trek fan. I go back and I'll look at Discovery. I enjoy Discovery a lot. But it also does a similar thing where like, I like it because you could watch it and just be fine with it, but it does reward you for being a part of that legacy. One of the interesting things about 
the MCU, which I think is why it has worked and is going to be successful, is that fact. He can jump in at some points, but it does still reward and honor the work. And that's what comics... People get mad at comics for. A new writer comes in, it blows up the thing that you loved, and you don't know what to do with yourself. And you're like, oh, God, what did you do to my... You know, it's like, this isn't my Wolverine. Bye. Well, there's this concept called headcanon, right? Where canon is not determined by the company that's giving you a product, but you determine it yourself based on what seems authentic and what seems like, oh, this is just something that they gave us. And anything that's been around for long enough is going to make you angry, right? And Captain America has been around since, what, World War II, like as a product? And Star Trek's been around since the 60s. And if you've been watching Star Trek this whole time, yeah, there's like some parts of Star Trek that I enjoy the universe more if I just say, yeah, well, yeah, that whole Picard thing, that didn't really happen. Like, that's a thing that they showed us. But at the same time, (laughs) I totally, like, Discovery definitely happened. Though the Klingons didn't look that way. That's not part of my headcanon. But they were there. So it's like you, just like (laughs) I don't acknowledge Back to the Future 2 or 3, and it makes number one a better movie to be a standalone movie. And I think of numbers two and three as fan fiction that happened to be made by the people who made the first one and think that comic books you do better and you know what they have had to do the same thing right and early on bruce wayne talks about having a brother like way in the beginning and it's like you can't just scrub that from the existence of the universe but at the same time it's like yeah bruce wayne didn't have a brother like that wasn't a thing but we're just going to move on with our lives marty we gotta go stop back from the future too from being made (laughs) that's right And if, and if the MCU goes on long enough, maybe they'll run into the same problems. I mean, it's it hasn't been around that long. And it's been under kind of the same people. And you could see it being sold for some billions of dollars to some other conglomerate and them saying, well, let's do something different. Oh, and by the way, half these movies are no longer what we consider canon. Like, well, all right, welcome to the Disney party of what's been going on with Star Wars. And you're going to make a lot of people unhappy. Erica, are you going to add comics to your daily diet? I actually might read them more because of now having access on my phone. Honestly, like that's what made me read books more is having access on my phone. And I know that sounds like it's not quite the greatest experience of reading something is like not having it really in your hands. But I, I have to say for me, when it comes to things like that, convenience trumps so much. So I probably will. But once again, part of what you're talking about is like, where do you start? This was a great series, and maybe this is what I'll do, and maybe this is why part of Marvel's hope with the series that have come out, because they are longer, you know, I have to wait a whole week for everything to come out. That gives me time to think about each episode, to want to know more, to have time to go back and revisit a movie or to read a comic about it that's related. And I think that creates such a better user experience overall that, yeah, I'm super glad that I can. That's probably how I will use the Marvel Unlimited is not just to read random comics on my own because that feels too overwhelming, but to be able to use it as a supplementary device is fantastic. Any other kind of closing thoughts? Anthony, did this bring you back to wanting to follow the trades more closely or you've, you've already been sort of doing that? I've sort of been doing that a little bit recently in that same way that Eric is talking about. Like I did have a Marvel Unlimited account for a long time and got rid of it and then got it again. It's a little bit of that, that same thing of like going back and kind of saying, oh, where'd you pull this from? Or like kind of having that fun with seeing some of the things. I'll say closing wise, though, I do think that like Erica's saying when it comes to MCU is that there's something about that long but not insanely long that it's doing a really great job where in a comic, the run of something could be two years, three years, right? To get through an arc sometimes, usually a year, but like it's, it's a long game when it comes to that. But like Loki, which is going to be, you know, six episodes, you know, you can really do some cool things where I think they're doing a good job in all three of these tackling very large concepts that people, even if you don't know the thing, can get into the same way that Dark made people think about things when they were watching time travel, but also the nature of fate and free will. You know, that's what Loki is doing. Like Loki is a cool thing approaching the idea of what is fate and free will. That's something that you can just come to and have a good time with. Falcon Winter Soldier commenting on race in America. That's a good, chunky thing to talk about. 
WandaVision, the idea of like grief and like what the mental journey and, and the things that come along with that idea of coming through a place where people had a lot of depression and sadness throughout the last year. That's a really cool thing. And why people are grabbing onto these shows, especially the Disney Plus shows, yeah. so much that like even the movies kind of did. But like we kind of talked about last time before, like Black Panther did that in a way with that movie. Some other movies are just comic book movies. Black Panther on, like you're starting to see this movement to like, hey, we can do some stuff like this mixed in with just our comic book fun. And people will like both of these things and they'll come to it. And I think these shows, and that's the part of like a good run of an awesome comic that you got that you're getting in these shows. When you get like that thing of like, oh yeah, man, that run of this guy, he nailed it when he talked about this thing. That's what you're getting with these shows. Unless there's some definite new idea for me, I'm not interested in superhero comics because if it's just going to be more of the same of some guy in a suit who's trying to destroy the world and get stopped in the nick of time by another person in a suit, like, please (laughs) come up with something more than that. But we had a past episode on time loop movies and the fact that you can do those in any genre. So, of course, you could do a superhero thing in any genre, in any structure, really. And that's what we're seeing out of this Disney Plus stuff. So I think that's a great advance. And this was uh, and certainly, especially reading the truth one, which if <laughs> if folks are really lazy, I listen to, uh, there's this Captain America comic book fans podcast, which they had not only recently, very recently, an interview with the guy who's been the the editor for Captain America for more than a decade, but they walk through in two episodes, this truth, red, white, and black they call it a review, but they're really describe. I didn't get through more than 15 minutes of it, but they just seem to be describing panel by panel, just reading this comic aloud. So maybe that is an alternative if you don't want to read at all. Well, thanks for joining us, Anthony. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Great to have you back on. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you, listeners. Bye, listeners. Thanks. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.